Section 19 of The Arabian Nights Entertainments, Volume 3, translated by Jonathan Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Section 19. The Story of Allah ad or The Wonderful Lamp, Part 4. The Grand Vizier went immediately to his son, communicated what the Sultan had told him, and enjoined him to conceal nothing but to relate the whole truth. "'I will disguise nothing from you, father,' replied the son, "'for, indeed, all that the princess has stated is true. "'But what relates particularly to myself she knows nothing of. "'Since my marriage I have passed two nights "'beyond imagination or expression disagreeable, "'not to mention the fright I was in "'at finding my bed lifted four times.' transported from one place to another without being able to guess how it was done you may judge of the miserable condition i was in passing two whole nights in nothing but my undervestments standing in a kind of closet unable to stir out of the place or to make the least movement though i could not perceive any obstacle to prevent me yet i must tell you that all this ill usage does not in the least lessen those sentiments of love respect and gratitude i entertain for the princess and of which she is so deserving but i must confess that notwithstanding all the honour and splendour that attends marrying my sovereign's daughter i would much rather die than continue in so exalted an alliance if i must undergo nightly much longer what i have already endured i do not doubt but that the princess entertains the same sentiments and that she will readily agree to a separation which is so necessary both for her repose and mine therefore father i beg by the same tenderness which led you to procure me so great an honour to obtain the sultan's consent that our marriage may be declared null and void notwithstanding the grand vizier's ambition to have his son allied to the sultan the firm resolution he saw he had formed to be separated from the princess made him not think it proper to propose to him to have patience for a few days to see if this disappointment would not have an end but he left him to give an account of what he had related to him and without waiting till the sultan himself whom he found disposed to it spoke of setting aside the marriage he begged of him to give his son leave to retire from the palace alleging it was not just that the princess should be a moment longer exposed to so terrible a persecution upon his son's account the grand vizier found no difficulty to obtain what he asked as the sultan had determined already orders were given to put a stop to all rejoicings in the palace and town and expresses dispatched to all parts of his dominions to countermand them and in a short time all rejoicings ceased this sudden and unexpected change gave rise both in the city and kingdom to various speculations and inquiries but no other account could be given of it except that both the vizier and his son went out of the palace very much dejected nobody but allah ad -Din knew the secret he rejoiced within himself at the happy success procured by his lamp which now he had no more occasion to rub to produce the genie to prevent the consummation of the marriage as he had certain information it was broken off and that his rival had left the palace 
neither the sultan nor the grand vizier who had forgotten alla ad deen and his request had the least thought that he had any concern in the enchantment which caused the dissolution of the marriage alla ad deen waited till the three months were completed which the sultan had appointed for the consummation of the marriage between the princess budir al-badur and himself and the next day sent his mother to the palace to remind the sultan of his promise alla ad deen's mother went to the palace and stood in the same place as before in the hall of audience the sultan no sooner cast his eyes upon her than he knew her again remembered her business and how long he had put her off therefore when the grand vizier was beginning to make his report the sultan interrupted him and said vizier i see the good woman who made me the present of jewels some months ago forbear your report till i have heard what she has to say the vizier looking about the divan perceived the tailor's widow and sent the chief of the mace-bearers to conduct her to the sultan alla ad deen's mother came to the foot of the throne prostrated herself as usual and when she arose the sultan asked her what she would have sir said she i come to represent to your majesty in the name of my son alla ad deen that the three months at the end of which you ordered me to come again are expired and to beg you to remember your promise the sultan when he had fixed a time to answer the request of this good woman little thought of hearing any more of a marriage which he imagined must be very disagreeable to the princess when he considered the meanness and poverty of her dress and appearance but this summons for him to fulfil his promise was somewhat embarrassing he declined giving an answer till he had consulted his vizier and signified to trim the little inclination he had to conclude a match for his daughter with a stranger whose rank he supposed to be very mean the grand vizier freely told the sultan his thoughts and said to him in my opinion sir there is an infallible way for your majesty to avoid a match so disproportionable without giving alla ad deen were he known to your majesty any cause of complaint which is to set so high a price upon the princess that however rich he may be he cannot comply with this is the only evasion to make him desist from so bold not to say rash an undertaking which he never weighed before he engaged in it the sultan approving of the grand vizier's advice turned to the tailor's widow and said to her good woman it is true sultans ought to abide by their word and i am ready to keep mine by making your son happy in marriage with the princess my daughter but as i cannot marry her without some further valuable consideration from your son you may tell him i will fulfil my promise as soon as he shall send me forty trays of massive gold full of the same sort of jewels you have already made me a present of and carried by the like number of black slaves who shall be led by as many young and handsome white slaves all dressed magnificently on these conditions i am ready to bestow the princess my daughter upon him therefore good woman go and tell him so and i will wait till you bring me his answer alla ad deen's mother prostrated herself a second time before the sultan's throne and retired in her way home she laughed within herself 
at her son's foolish imagination. Where, says she, can he get so many large gold trays, and such precious stones to fill them? Must he go again to that subterraneous abode, the entrance into which is stopped up, and gather them off the trees? But where will he get so many such slaves as the sultan requires? <laughs> it is altogether out of his power, and I believe he will not be much pleased with my embassy this time. When she came home, full of these thoughts, she said to her son, Indeed, child, I would not have you think any farther of your marriage with the princess. The sultan received me very kindly, and I believe he was well inclined to you. But if I am not much deceived, the grand vizier has made him change his mind, as you will guess from what I have to tell you. After I had represented to his majesty that the three months were expired, and begged of him to remember his promise, I observed that he whispered with his grand vizier before he gave me his answer. She then gave her son an exact account of what the sultan had said to her, and the conditions on which he consented to the match. Afterwards she said to him, "'The sultan expects your answer immediately. But,' continued she, laughing, "'I believe he may wait long enough.' "'Not so long, mother, as you imagine,' replied Alla ad -Din. "'The sultan is mistaken if he thinks by this exorbitant demand "'to prevent my entertaining thoughts of the princess. "'I expected greater difficulties, "'and that he would have set a higher price upon her incomparable charms. "'I am very well pleased. "'His demand is but a trifle to what I could have done for her. "'But while I think of satisfying his request,' Go and get something for our dinner, and leave the rest to me. As soon as his mother was gone out to market, Alla ad -Din took the lamp, and rubbing it, the genie appeared, and offered his service as usual. The sultan, said Alla ad -Din to him, gives me the princess his daughter in marriage, but demands first forty large trays of massive gold, full of the fruits of the garden from whence I took this lamp and these he expects to have carried by as many black slaves, each preceded by a young handsome white slave, richly clothed. Go and fetch me this present as soon as possible, that I may send it to him before the divan breaks up. The genie told him his command should be immediately obeyed, and disappeared. In a little time afterwards, the genie returned with forty black slaves, each bearing on his head a heavy tray of pure gold, full of pearls, diamonds, rubies, emeralds, and every sort of precious stones, all larger and more beautiful than those presented to the sultan. Each tray was covered with silver tissue, embroidered with flowers of gold. These, together with the white slaves, quite filled the house, which was but a small one, the little court before it, and a small garden behind. The genie asked if he had any other commands, and Alla ad -Din, telling him that he wanted nothing farther, he disappeared. When Alla ad -Din's mother came from market, she was much surprised to see so many people and such vast riches. As soon as she had laid down her provisions, she was going to pull off her veil, but he prevented her and said, Mother, let us lose no time. Before the sultan and the divan rise, I would have you return to the palace with this present as the dowry demanded for the princess, 
that he may judge by my diligence and exactness of the ardent and sincere desire I have to procure myself the honour of this alliance. Without waiting for his mother's reply, Alla ad -Din opened the street door and made the slaves walk out, each white slave followed by a black with a tray upon his head. When they were all out, the mother followed the last black slave. He shut the door and then retired to his chamber, full of hopes that the sultan after this present, which was such as he required, would receive him as his son-in-law. The first white slave who went out bid all the people who were going by stop, and before they were all clear of the house, the streets were crowded with spectators, who ran to see so extraordinary and magnificent a procession. The dress of each slave was so rich, both for the stuff and the jewels, that those who were dealers in them valued each at no less than a million of money. Besides the neatness and propriety of the dress, the noble air, fine shape, and proportion of each slave were unparalleled. Their grave walk at an equal distance from each other, the lustre of the jewels curiously set in their girdles of gold, in beautiful symmetry, and the egrets of precious stones in their turbans, which were of an unusual but elegant taste, put the spectators into such great admiration that they could not avoid gazing at them and following them with their eyes as far as possible. But the streets were so crowded with people that none could move out of the spot they stood on. As they had to pass through several streets to the palace, a great part of the city had an opportunity of seeing them. As soon as the first of these slaves arrived at the palace gate, the porters formed themselves into order, taking him for a prince from the richness and magnificence of his habit, and were going to kiss the hem of his garment. But the slave, who was instructed by the genie, prevented them, and said, We are only slaves. Our master will appear at the proper time. The first slave, followed by the rest, advanced into the second court, which was very spacious, and in which the sultan's household was ranged during the sitting of the divan. The magnificence of the officers who stood at the head of their troops was considerably eclipsed by the slaves who bore Alla ad -Din's present, of which they themselves made a part. Nothing was ever seen so beautiful and brilliant in the sultan's palace, and all the luster of the lords of his court was not to be compared to them. As the sultan, who had been informed of their march and approach to the palace, had given orders for them to be admitted, they met with no obstacle, but went into the divan in regular order, one part filing to the right and the other to the left. After they were all entered and had formed a semicircle before the sultan's throne, the black slaves laid the golden trays on the carpet, prostrated themselves, touching the carpet with their foreheads and at the same time the white slaves did the same. When they rose, the black slaves uncovered the trays, and then all stood with their arms crossed over their breasts. In the meantime, Alla ad -Din's mother advanced to the foot of the throne, and having paid her respects, said to the sultan, Sir, my son is sensible this present which he has sent your majesty is much below the princess Budir al-Badur's worth but hopes nevertheless that your majesty will accept of it, and make it agreeable to the princess, and with the greater confidence, since he has endeavoured to conform to the conditions you were pleased to impose. 
the sultan was not able to give the least attention to this compliment the moment he cast his eyes on the forty trays full of the most precious brilliant and beautiful jewels he had ever seen and the fourscore slaves who appeared by the elegance of their persons and the richness and magnificence of their dress like so many princes he was so struck that he could not recover from his admiration instead of answering the compliment of alla ad deen's mother he addressed himself to the grand vizier who could not any more than the sultan comprehend from whence such a profusion of richness could come well vizier said he aloud who do you think it can be that has sent me so extraordinary a present and neither of us know do you think him worthy of the princess budir al-badur my daughter the vizier notwithstanding his envy and grief to see a stranger preferred to be the sultan's son-in-law before his son durst not disguise his sentiments it was too visible that alla ad deen's present was more than sufficient to merit his being received into royal alliance therefore consulting his master's feelings he returned this answer i am so far from having any thoughts that the person who has made your majesty so noble a present is unworthy of the honour you would do him that i should say he deserved much more if i was not persuaded that the greatest treasure in the world ought not to be put in competition with the princess your majesty's daughter this speech was applauded by all the lords who were then in council the sultan made no longer hesitation nor thought of informing himself whether alla ad deen was endowed with all the qualifications requisite in one who aspired to be his son-in-law the sight alone of such immense riches and alla ad deen's quickness in satisfying his demand without starting the least difficulty at the exorbitant conditions he had imposed easily persuaded him that he could want nothing to render him accomplished and such as he desired therefore to send alla ad deen's mother back with all the satisfaction she could desire he said to her my good lady go and tell your son that i wait with open arms to embrace him and the more haste he makes to come and receive the princess my daughter from my hands the greater pleasure he will do me as soon as the tailor's widow had retired overjoyed as a woman in her condition must have been to see her son raised beyond all expectations to such exalted fortune the sultan put an end to the audience and rising from his throne ordered that the princess's eunuchs should come and carry the trays into their mistress's apartment whether he went himself to examine them with her at his leisure the fourscore slaves were conducted into the palace and the sultan telling the princess of their magnificent appearance ordered them to be brought before her apartment that she might see through the lattices he had not exaggerated in his account of them in the meantime alla ad deen's mother got home and showed in her air and countenance the good news she brought her son my son said she to him you have now all the reason in the world to be pleased you are contrary to my expectations arrived at the height of your desires not to keep you too long in suspense the sultan with the approbation of the whole court has declared that you are worthy to possess the princess badir al-badur 
waits to embrace you and conclude your marriage. Therefore, you must think of making some preparations for your interview, which may answer the high opinion he has formed of your person, and after the wonders I have seen you do, I am persuaded nothing can be wanting. But I must not forget to tell you the sultan waits for you with great impatience. Therefore, lose no time in paying your respects. Allah ad enraptured with this news, and full of the object which possessed his soul, made his mother very little reply, but retired to his chamber. There, after he had rubbed his lamp, which had never failed him in whatever he wished for, the obedient genie appeared. Genie, said Allah ad I want to bathe immediately, and you must afterwards provide me the richest and most magnificent habit ever worn by a monarch. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than the genie rendered him, as well as himself, invisible, and transported him into a hammam of the finest marble of all sorts of colours, where he was undressed, without seeing by whom, in a magnificent and spacious hall. From the hall he was led to the bath, which was of a moderate heat, and he was there rubbed and washed with various scented waters. After he had passed through several degrees of heat, he came out quite a different man from what he was before. His skin was clear white and red, his body lightsome and free, and when he returned into the hall, he found, instead of his own, a suit, the magnificence of which astonished him. The genie helped him to dress, and when he had done, transported him back to his own chamber, where he asked him if he had any other commands. "'Yes,' answered Alla ad "'I expect you to bring me as soon as possible a charger "'that surpasses in beauty and goodness the best in the sultan's stables, "'with a saddle, bridle, and other caparisons worth a million of money. "'I want also twenty slaves, as richly clothed as those who carried the present to the sultan, "'to walk by my side and follow me, "'and twenty more to go before me in two ranks.' Besides these, bring my mother six women slaves to attend her, as richly dressed at least as any of the Princess Budir Abadours, each carrying a complete dress fit for any sultaness. I want also ten thousand pieces of gold in ten purses. Go and make haste. As soon as Allah ad had given these orders, the genie disappeared, but presently returned with the horse, the forty slaves, ten of whom carried each a purse containing ten thousand pieces of gold, and six women slaves, each carrying on her head a different dress for Allah ad mother, wrapped up in a piece of silver tissue, and presented them all to Allah ad Of the ten purses, Allah ad took four, which he gave to his mother, telling her those were to supply her with necessaries. The other six he left in the hands of the slaves who brought them, with an order to throw them by handfuls among the people as they went to the sultan's palace. The six slaves who carried the purses he ordered likewise to march before him, three on the right hand and three on the left. Afterwards he presented the six women slaves to his mother, telling her they were her slaves, and that the dresses they had brought were for her use. When Allah ad had thus settled matters, he told the genie he would call for him when he wanted him, and thereupon the genie disappeared. 
Alla ad Deen's thoughts now were only upon answering as soon as possible the desire the sultan had shown to see him. He dispatched one of the forty slaves to the palace, with an order to address himself to the chief of the porters, to know when he might have the honour to come and throw himself at the sultan's feet. The slave soon acquitted himself of his commission, and brought for answer that the sultan waited for him with impatience. Alla ad Deen immediately mounted his charger, and began his march, in the order we have already described. And though he never was on horseback before, appeared with such extraordinary grace, that the most experienced horseman would not have taken him for a novice. The streets through which he was to pass were almost instantly filled with an innumerable concourse of people, who made the air echo with acclamations, especially every time the six slaves who carried the purses threw handfuls of gold among the populace. Neither did these acclamations and shouts of joy come from those alone who scrambled for the money, but from a superior rank of people, who could not forbear applauding Alla ad Deen's generosity. Not only those who knew him, when he played in the streets like a vagabond, did not recollect him, but those who saw him but a little while before hardly recognised him. So much were his features altered. Such were the effects of the lamp, as to procure by degrees, to those who possessed it, perfections suitable to the rank to which the right use of it advanced them. Much more attention was paid to Alla ad Deen's person than to the pomp and magnificence of his attendants. As a similar show had been seen the day before, when the slaves walked in procession with the present to the sultan. Nevertheless, the horse was much admired by good judges, who knew how to discern his beauties, without being dazzled by the jewels and richness of the furniture. When the report was everywhere spread that the sultan was going to have the princess in marriage to Alla ad Deen, nobody regarded his birth, nor envied his good fortune, so worthy he seemed of it in the public opinion. End of section 19